this is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. I am feeling kind of groovy, and why, you may ask. Are you feeling groovy? Because I just got back from vacation, and I had a great vacation. I did feel kind of guilty going away on vacation because... You know, we're all going through so much chazerai. I love saying that. From COVID and the pandemic, I'm going to sip some tequila. Mm. Mm. Sorry, I was just in the mood. Anyway, you know, we're all suffering. Well, most of us are. You know, we have to wear a mask or we don't. We're vaccinated and we're worried. We're scared. We lost our job. You know, it's just been a whole lot of mishigash since early 2020 and I was celebrating I was vaccinated I was thinking I was free as a bird and I had to be you know kind of careful but basically home free but now with this new delta variant oh forget it all bets are off huge surges in Florida there was a huge surge in Provincetown Massachusetts which is where I went on my vacation I went there to be carefree and have fun and walk on the beach and find my inner child. I didn't expect to be all, you know, masked up and afraid to mix with too many people and going through a lot of the feelings I went through in March of 2020. So, you know, but hey, I had long walks on the beach. I did some gorgeous dinners with my girlfriend and don't feel sorry for me. But the point is... I felt a little guilty having a vacation when so many people are suffering. So many people I know are suffering. But then, you know, I thought about it this way. I think about it myself sometimes as an electrical appliance. And I'm always kind of, think of me as like a fan. Blow, 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 blow. You know, I'm always blowing on everyone. But if I don't plug in... I'm going to run out and I'm not going to be any use to anybody. So so that's how I justify going on my vacation. I just needed to refuel. 2020 was a deadly year, especially for caterers and people in the food industry. And I needed to refuel. So forgive me, please, for giving myself some pleasure. But I promise to give it right back to you, if that makes you feel better. So anyway, yeah, I got away. And I had to be a little more careful than I was expecting to, but that's okay. Getting used to it. I just said, just pretend it's a year ago. How would you behave? And took it from there. And so since we weren't mixing with people so much, we did a lot of cooking, which was great. Barbecuing, all kinds of stuff. Things you can't really do in Manhattan. You know, I mean, I can, I guess, go out to the East River Park and light up a grill there but there's a lot of competition every time I get out there there's like 35 families fighting over a grill so no I don't think so thank you very much anyway it's summer and I kind of wanted to just lighten up my mood having a chance to look at the water and be near nature Now, maybe you're listening to this and maybe you're always near nature we folks who live in the city, in my case, New York City, well, it's not always so easy to get near nature. I mean, I've got Tompkins Square Park in the East Village. I can go through to hug a tree, but 
there's a good chance about 5,000 dogs have urinated on that tree. So you might want to get a disinfectant after you hug the tree. And yes, I can go to Central Park, which is glorious, beautiful, so many fabulous places. I'm just learning. Every time I go there, I see something new. And it's like an endless wonderland. But it's also full of tourists, and it's so busy sometimes that I'm like, forget it. I can go to the East River and look a lot, look at the water, and smell the air, but then the subway comes by right over my head, it seems, and cars on the FDR start honking, and you know, it's not so hard to get with nature when you live in the city, so getting away to really commune with nature is a great thing. Walking on the beach, and walking in the water and playing with the hermit crabs. Do you ever play with them? They're just so fun. I love catching them in my hand and feeling them kind of squiggle around in my hand and then releasing them, of course. But just being with nature. My girlfriend and I had a great experience the other day where there's a body of water that doesn't exist until high tide. So prior to high tide, this little area outside kind of a stone breakwater is just sand and shells and lots of I guess seagrass and things like that it looks a little funky but around four or five o'clock or whenever high tide comes in it fills with water and for some reason it's warmer than anywhere else so it's like suddenly you have a giant salt water bath and so we went swimming around in this beautiful saltwater bath and I kept little sea shoes on you know the little shoes you wear in the water so you don't cut your feet because there were lots of little petals and you know pebbles and shells and things like that but it was great we swam around and looked at so many birds beautiful birds I saw bright red and orange birds and I was like oh my god this nature thing you could totally get high on it And so, and you could also get high on it in Provincetown, Massachusetts, because marijuana is legal there now. So, you know, have at it, baby. As a matter of fact, our our good friend, Kimberly, is running one of the, what do they call it, where they sell the legal pot? Dispensary. Doesn't that sound very impressive? She works at a dispensary, and she's become quite an expert. So, I personally love that marijuana has become legal. Not because I'm a big pothead. I mean, I was in high school. I suppose that's not a surprise to you. But I found that I tended to get me a little bit on the paranoid side, which isn't really fun. And also, I ate too much. I mean, I would smoke a joint in high school, and suddenly everything seemed so appetizing. So, I'm talking about corn chips dipped in peanut butter, and then drizzled with maple syrup. Doesn't that sound kind of yummy? Actually, you know that does sound kind of yummy. I bet now I think about it, I could probably make an awesome dessert out of that. You know what? I'm going to go into the kitchen and invent something. I will get back to you on that. I'm thinking a corn chip, crusted, peanut butter, maple tart or cookie. Let me chat with you later about that. Ooh, I'm percolating. I'm excited now. Anyway, I digress, as always. My point is that 
It was great to be with nature and just to get away from everything. Now, there were days when we were feeling like we were a million miles away from our worries and our troubles. And then something would bring us back. And in the city, when something brings you back to your troubles, or at least in my case, it's not a shocking thing because I'm always ready for trouble in the city. I mean, I lived in New York when it was dangerous and I never forgot it. I've gone through all sorts of problems and issues. I've survived 9-11 and Hurricane Sandy and you name it. I'm always ready for trouble. So never really shocked by it, but out on vacation with my feet in the water and looking up at the sky and smelling the air and listening to the birds, trouble is a little shocking. So I just came back from walking on the bay and getting this kind of awesome workout, actually. It's probably the only workout I had the whole time I was away. I am embarrassed to tell you that I ate far too much. Really, I ate too much just about every day and exercised far too little. And I'm sure I put on at least five pounds. So I'm going to have to behave myself from now on. But I did get a good workout by walking in the water. I put on my little sea shoes to protect from the shells and the pebbles and all like that and I went for a long walk kind of shin deep in the water which was a great workout because you got to push through the water I came back so happy into our little I guess a little apartment on the bay a part of a complex of apartments we were thinking of it as kind of our beach shack because it was very small and the bathroom was, like I said, I think I told you last week, only a little bit larger than my armpit. But um, I have a large armpit, so no, I don't really. I was kidding. I have a medium-sized armpit. But it was very cute, and it was on the bay, and what more do you need? So I, you know, I found my inner child. I walked in the water, and I came back feeling peaceful and serene and purged and just feeling groovy. And my girlfriend... Um, basically had on the the officers from the Capitol talking about what happened on January 6th. And these were all our heroes, our protectors of our Capitol, talking about being attacked by American citizens on January 6th. And one of the officers, who was very well-spoken and rather handsome black man, started talking about how these same people, American citizens who attacked him on January 6th, also started calling him that word I will not repeat, but it starts with an N. And he was destroyed emotionally. I mean, they were so brave and they protected the Capitol. They protected everyone inside trying to do their job, all the senators, everyone working there. They protected our democracy. They protected us. But they were being attacked viciously by American citizens. It's mind-boggling. And these brave heroes were telling their story. Some of them brought to tears. Some of them in shock and horror. The wonderful officer that talked about the racial slurs that he was were thrown at him as he was being attacked. He was just destroyed. And several of these officers who defended our democracy have committed suicide, that they were so destroyed by their experience that day.
I was crying, my girlfriend was crying, and in an instant, we were right back to January 6th, watching this unfold on live TV, and right back to asking ourselves all those questions all over again. How could American citizens attack the Capitol, try, threaten to murder the vice president, threaten to murder the Speaker of the House, senators, I mean, our democracy, it's just, I still, I've never quite gotten over it, but watching these teary-eyed, brave, wonderful officers talk about risking their life to save the Capitol and save the senators and save the people voting inside, it just, it was heartbreaking. I don't know, I don't know what the life lesson is about what happened on January 6th. I gotta think that it is. I I don't know what I, I'm I'm all, I'm still speechless, but certainly the life lesson is this: if anyone tells you to attack the Capitol or attack the White House or anything like that, don't listen to them. I mean, that's a Jim Jones kind of massacre. You know, I'm, whoa. So. Yes, that dragged us right out of our vacation mode really fast. And took, we, th- we just were kind of sitting with it the whole rest of the day. Those teary-eyed, brave officers, they were all so emotional. And they talked about needing mental help there. And even after that, I think two more of those officers, not the ones who spoke, but two more of the officers who defended us on January 6th committed suicide think about that. They were so destroyed by what they saw that day. And what is mind-boggling is that those brave men who spoke out, people have been talking badly about them. I, I don't know. It's crazy. Someone someone uh, on television said, oh, they're very good actors. Someone else said they were wimps for showing emotion and being teary-eyed. I mean, my God, if if someone risking their very life, I think it was 50 guards to 10,000 people attacking the Capitol, some sort of crazy ratio like that, and they did defend the Capitol. If they're not a hero, then tell me what a hero is. Is a hero selfless? Is a hero brave? Is a hero good? Is a hero kind? Is a hero capable of defending our country? These men are heroes. Anyway, I'm sorry to go off on that, but look at it. You know, this happened on January 6th, and I've never gotten over it, and I don't think any of us should ever get over it. Nothing like that can ever happen again. But anyway, there I was communing with nature and was thrust back to January 6th in an instant. Amazing how fast that can happen. So we brought ourselves out of it, by doing, what did we do? Well, we ate gorgeous food. And in my case, I had some very lovely Aperol spritzers, which is my go-to drink. And anyone who knows me will tell you that. So we had some beautiful steaks on the grill, kept them very simple, just garlic and oil and a beautiful spice rub. They were beautiful. I had some beautiful Aperol spritzers. Have you gotten turned on to Aperol spritzers yet? It's a beautiful drink. Well, technically, an Aperol spritzer is Prosecco or Champagne 
with a couple of good dashes of Aperol, which is a kind of sweet, slightly bitter liqueur that is really lovely in Prosecco. And it's served on the rocks with a good amount of club soda, and it should be a wedge of orange. But it seems that people are always making it wrong. They went to one place and they served it with olives, which I'm told is something some people do with Aperol spritzers, but I couldn't imagine anything more disgusting than having an olive in my Aperol spritzer. And many places do too much club soda. So much so that I've started to become almost like the way martini drinkers are. They'll say, I want an in-and-out martini. An in-and-out martini as you pour the vermouth in and spill it out. Or a very, very, very dry, like the Sahara martini, which means it's just a small dash of vermouth. Or they'll just say, a martini with no vermouth. Well, I've started getting like that with my Aperol spritzers. I started saying very little club soda, and nobody could get it right. It was still too much club soda, not enough Prosecco. So now I just say no club soda. And I want it in a tall glass with a lot of ice. So basically I want a glass of Prosecco with Aperol and an orange. Now, of course, the smart people know that I've also ensured that I'm getting a much better drink because now I'm not getting like a half a glass of Prosecco, I'm getting a full glass of Prosecco. So I'm kind of smart if you think about it. Some of the smart bartenders threaten to charge me more when I ask for it that way. And then I tell them I, I threaten to tip them less and I usually win the conversation. So that's my go-to drink. So now I'm back here in New York and I've only been back for, looking at the clock, about five hours. Can you imagine that? And a lot has happened in those five hours. We've, of course, unpacked. We've encountered many, many very rude people in five hours. People who beeped, beeped, beeped at my girlfriend just because she needed to make a turn. Where we just left a whole town where people stopped, even if you didn't want them to stop. They were so polite. Not now. We were trying to get in the left lane. She had her left signal on and even put her hand out. And this woman beeped at her like, hell no, I won't let you in. So naturally, as we drove by the woman, I rolled down my window and I wanted to give her the finger because I'm also a New Yorker. But my girlfriend stopped me because she said very simply, people have guns, you know, which I guess is true. You can't just give people the finger, but God, I could taste it. I wanted to curse at her and give her the finger. But I'm a woman of peace and she might have had a, she might have had a peace. So there you have it. No, I didn't give her the finger. But now we're back and doesn't seem like anybody has a mask on and a lot of people were crowding us and I don't know. I miss people being polite. Every once in a while I contemplate leaving the city like a lot of people have been doing since COVID. They went to their summer places and their weekend places and their parents' places, whatever, and they didn't want to come back, which is why real estate prices are going crazy everywhere else and they're kind of going down in New York City and San Francisco and LA and Boston. But I do sometimes think, wouldn't it be nice to live somewhere where you had grass that you could walk through with your feet, with your bare feet, and it wouldn't be covered in dog poo. 
Like here, if I walk through the grass and my dog feet, my bare feet, my dog feet, it was a funny little slip. But you know, I'm bound to get dog poo between my toes in about five seconds flat. So no, no, I won't be doing that. Thank you very much. So I don't know. I'm feeling the call of nature a little bit because I've just experienced it. And tomorrow I go back into the kitchen and we are getting ready for a whole bunch of our August weddings. One more fabulous than the next. All kinds of glorious things. We're doing our famous mac and cheese fritters and this time I'm doing them gluten-free. So I may, well, I haven't made it yet. I did make it actually. What am I talking about? We pre-make it and we put it in the freezer. That's a really good tip for you. If you make a mac and cheese fritter, you can make like hundreds of them and keep them in the freezer and they fry much better when they're frozen. So I basically made a kind of a bechamel that's fancy talk for, I melted down butter and I mixed it with flour, equal amounts, and then I poured in milk and I got a kind of a thick white cream sauce. But in this case, I melted a pound of butter and a pint of flour and got a roux and I poured in a gallon of milk. But that flour was gluten-free flour, which was great. And then I took all the cheeses I have. I always have an arsenal of cheeses because when we do our cheese tables, we have lots of cheese left over. Smoked Gouda and Pepper Jack and Monterey Jack. And I had a lot of stuff to get rid of. I even threw in some mozzarella, because why not? I threw in some Asiago, some Manchego, whatever. I threw it all in. And I threw in some Dijon mustard and some Frank's hot sauce and Cajun spice and you name it. And I got a glorious thick batter. And then we boiled some gluten-free macaroni and mixed it all up and chilled it. The next day we rolled it into balls and we rolled those balls into egg, beaten egg, and rolled that into gluten-free panko breadcrumbs and put that in the freezer. And so I didn't quite make it yet because this weekend we're gonna be frying it, gonna deep fry it, and people are gonna go nuts for it. And the gluten-free guests are gonna be so happy because they'll be able to eat it. Unbelievable. Now I'm gluten-free myself. And so I see something like mac and cheese go by, I don't even ask. Of course, I, of course I can't have it. But when the waiter says, would you like a gluten-free mac and cheese fritter? Oh my God, there's nothing more exciting than that. Now, I had something for very exciting because we had what would have been a six or seven hour drive back from where we were in Massachusetts, Provincetown, the very tip of Cape Cod. And so instead, we decided to spend the night in Mystic, Connecticut, which is a great halfway point. And now, if you're in Connecticut and you haven't spent time, or even if you're not, trust me, Mystic, Connecticut is gorgeous. It's beautiful. There's the old ships. There's history. It's gorgeous. We even spent some time in a giant old cemetery looking around at the old stones and different people's stories and it was kind of awesome and looking out at this beautiful body of water from the cemetery and on the way back from mystic connecticut we stopped at a great diner which is definitely gonna be our go-to diner right off i-95 so if you're in interstate 95 it happens around exit 14 i think it was in uh, connecticut it's called 
this, I think it was the Silver Star Diner. Well, the reason we went there was because they do a great tuna melt, but this one was a gluten-free tuna melt. Now, for someone who's gluten-free, who hasn't been able to have a tuna melt in 25 years, having a gluten-free tuna melt is as close to edible sex as you get. This one was done perfectly, so I'm gonna give you a tip how to do a perfect tuna melt, gluten-free or otherwise. You take the bread and you butter it and you toast it. Well, you could toast it in a toaster and then butter it, but this was done by slathering it with butter and laying it on the flat top. And maybe you don't have a flat top, but you might have a frying pan. So what, however you do it, you want a nice, super buttery toasted bread. And they did it because the gluten-free bread needed a little help. I'm telling you, I could have just eaten the bread with nothing else. And then a beautiful tuna salad. I'm a fan of white meat tuna only. I do not like yellow tuna. I don't like that kind of fishy, funky taste. I'm a white meat albacore tuna girl. So this was a great white meat tuna salad in the sandwich, and it has to have Swiss cheese. Sure, American cheese is great. Sure, cheddar is great. Sure, monster is great. But Swiss is my jam. And a thin slice of tomato. Now, they screwed that up a little bit at the Silver Star because they sliced the tomato too thick and it made the sandwich hard to close. So you want a thin slice of tomato. Anyway, but that makes, and then you close the sandwich, shove it in the oven, or they shoved it in the broiler until the cheese melted. My God, that was so crazy good. I think I'm going to be dreaming about it. The tomato, Swiss, tuna, buttery bread, forget about it. I almost think like if you said, Chef Rossi, I'll give you a choice of really good sex or that gluten-free tuna melt, great gluten-free tuna melt with Swiss and tomato and buttered toasty bread. Well, I'd like to say I'd pick the really good sex, but I gotta say I'd be a little bit torn. I suppose that's kind of sad, but listen, float your own boat, baby. You know, a sexy tuna melt is pretty damn good. So I'm back in the saddle, getting ready to crank out the food for some glorious weddings. And I've decided that since I can't really be in the bay and looking at the sky and looking at the moon and those beautiful, awesome things I smelled and saw on my vacation, I'm kind of, kind of, I'm just going to keep it in my heart and I'm going to find nature however I can. And so currently I'm putting pumpkin seeds on my windowsill and I've been encouraging a bright orange bird. I think it's some sort of a cardinal. Is there such a thing as an orange cardinal? I don't know. It's gorgeous, but it comes and eats the pumpkin seeds. And Lydia, my girlfriend, and I walked through Stuyvesant Town, which has a beautiful park area and we had some pita bread we meant to feed to the birds and we discovered that the squirrels loved it they ate that pita bread like it was a pizza you have not lived you've seen a squirrel sitting up munching on a piece of pita bread eating it like a pizza so there I brought a little nature with me so is there a moral of this story today well moral schmarls who cares If you go in nature, enjoy it, keep it with you, keep it in your heart, find some more nature. Squirrels love pita bread. And Dayenu. And also, be kind, be good, be decent, be loving. Life's too short. 
don't hurt anyone. Just, you know, be nice for crying out loud. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love, and so are you. Now go out and feed some pita bread to the squirrels. They really do like it. Adios.